0: Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. Steve Jobs speaking at Macworld New York, 1998.
1: When we got to the company a year ago, there were a lot of products. These were the product platforms.
0: The video cuts to a slide listing these Macintosh models. 1,400, 2,400. 3,400, 4,400, 5,400, 5,500, 6,500, 7,300, 7,600, 8,600, 9,600, 20th, as in 20th Anniversary Macintosh, E-Mate, Newton, Pippin.
1: 15 product platforms and a zillion variants of each one. I couldn't even figure this out myself. After about three weeks, I said, how are we going to explain this to others when we don't even know which products to recommend to our friends?
0: Macworld, June 1993. Wise Guy by Guy Kawasaki. The Akihabara Syndrome. There is a district in Tokyo called Akihabara. By railroad, it's two stops from the Tokyo station on the Yamanote line. Akihabara contains seven story stores as well as five by five foot stalls. In these stores and stalls, You can buy every imaginable and unimaginable television, VCR, video camera, tape recorder, computer, CD player, household appliance, and electronic component. It's hip for the executives of American computer firms like Apple to talk about visiting Akihabara. They come back to America and exclaim, I was just in Tokyo and I went to Akihabara. You should see the selection of stuff they have there. They sell more kinds of Walkmans than Apple has reorgs. If you're not familiar with Apple reorgs, I apologize. This means there are a lot of Walkmans. Here's the problem. Apple executives go to Akihabara and their round eyes glaze over and their Protestant brains short out. This is called the Akihabara Syndrome. Then these executives come back to Cupertino and design too many kinds of Macintoshes. As a result, the hardest thing about buying a Macintosh is figuring out which one to choose, or more accurately, which one to wait for. Which powerbook? 6 months ago, I was a victim of the Akihabara syndrome. I was interviewing someone for my next book, and she told me she was about to buy a laptop for her daughter. She had gone to a computer store and the store gave her a quote of $2,200 for a generic cloned laptop running the Gates user interface, GUI. You can take the evangelist out of Apple, but you can't take Apple out of the evangelist. So I quickly told her she was making a mistake. I asked her if she loved her daughter. I told her it would hurt me to see her waste $2,200. Naturally, she came back with the dreaded question, Well, which laptop should I buy? Why, a Macintosh PowerBook, I responded confidently. And then I thought, oh no, she's going back to the store and she'll tell this to a guy who doesn't know a spreadsheet from a Shinola, and he's going to tell her a clone running the Gates user interface is just like a Macintosh, only cheaper. I had to tell her which PowerBook to buy so she wouldn't have to ask any questions at all. Which Macintosh should she buy? I had to get back to her. The PowerBook 180 costs twice what she was quoted. The PowerBook 140 was just discontinued. The 145 wasn't shipping. The docks and external drives for the Duo 210 and 230 weren't available yet. The 160 was the right price, but I hated the screen. I had to call two people to ask their advice. Imagine that Guy Kawasaki, Four-year Apple employee, former director of software product management, the person who is forever taking credit for the plethora of Macintosh software, a legend in his own mind, had to ask two people for advice on which Macintosh to buy. We came to the conclusion that she should buy a 160 and hope she never looks at the screen of a 170 or 180. The 160 had a passive matrix screen, and the 170 and 180 had active matrix screens. Then, which Macintosh? As of March 1993, there are six models of PowerBooks and nine models of desktop Macintoshes, not even counting the Performas. This is crazy. Why doesn't Apple ship three models instead of promising 15? Exercise. Send an email to John Scully and ask him which Macintoshes he recommends to his in-laws. Here's the Kawasaki solution to the Akihabara Syndrome. Bless three models so their sales go through the ceiling, and Apple will discontinue the rest. Blessed Macintosh number 1. Color Classic 4-80 4 80 means 4 megabytes of RAM and an 80 megabyte hard disk. Market. The ideal first Macintosh for the most of us. Suggested retail price, 1,400 U.S. dollars. If Steve Jobs were still at Apple, this is the Macintosh he would have designed. It would cost three times as much and wouldn't come out until 1995, but he would have designed it. This Mac best captures the essence of the Macintosh way. Compact design, plug and play, and puppy-like in charm. Blessed Macintosh number 2. PowerBook 160 4/80. Market: business people who travel. Suggested retail price: 2800 US dollars. Let's face it. You buy a PowerBook to use when you travel. A traveling computer has two minor requirements. It has to work with a modem, and there have to be modems available that you can actually buy, and it has to run on batteries for at least an hour. The screen on the 160 will drive you crazy, but if enough people buy it, Apple will have to lower the price of the 180. Then we'll bless the 180. Blessed Macintosh number 3 Centris 650 80 market business people who don't travel, suggested retail price three thousand two hundred U.S. dollars. This is the desktop model for most of us. It's powerful enough for most applications in the real world, and you can add a full-page or two-page display. Sure, we'd all like a quadra, but how fast do you really need to scroll through that five-page memo? Be prepared to take some flack. First, people will disagree with the Color Classic as the ideal first Macintosh because it isn't as expandable as the LC2 or LC3. Tough. Macintoshes are like cars. Either you're happy with the one you have, or you buy a new one. You don't upgrade them. Second, Apple executives are going to whine, you tell us you want us to innovate, so we innovate. We're introducing more models this year than in the entire history of Apple. Nice try. Wake up and smell the wasabi. We want paradigm-shifting, leapfrogging innovation, not a change in clock speed. The Ginza Syndrome Can we stop the Akihabara Syndrome? It may be too late. But look at the bright side. If all those Apple executives caught the Marunucci line and got off at the Ginza stop, they would see two dozen strawberries, admittedly perfect strawberries, selling for $50 in a Japanese department store. God help us if they catch the Ginza syndrome. Bless three models so their sales go through the ceiling and Apple will discontinue the rest.
1: So we went back to business school 101 and we said, what do people want? Well, they want two kinds of products. They want consumer products, consumers want them in general, and education wants, for the most part, consumer products. And we need pro-products, because our design and publishing market wants pro-products, and some consumers do, and some education do as well. And in each of those two categories, we need desktop and portable models. And what this told us was, if we had four great products, that's all we need. And as a matter of fact, if we only had four, we could put the A-team on every single one of them. And if we only had four, we could turn them all every nine months instead of every 18 months. And if we only had four, we could be working on the next generation or two of each one as we're introducing the first generation. So that's what we decided to do, to focus on four great products.